Good day, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are um, for listening to this podcast of a priest and a rabbi. Today, we are a priest and a rabbi and an imam. So we welcome back Sheikh Shafayat, who's going to help us to just delve into what does it really mean to be committed to the interfaith work? It is something that's, you know, why, why do we do it? Just to feel better, just to make a symbol or a sign or check off a box. Um, we're discovering something much more, much deeper than that. Um, a call, a call from God, a discover who we are, a biological line that we have through Abraham. Um, and so uh, I, I, we come with open ears, all of us. And so we have Rabbi Durbin from Temple Bat Chayam. We have Sheikh Shafayat from Al Hikmat Services. Uh, gentlemen, um, it is great to have you on here. And are you, are you ready to give this a, a round two? Well, this time we actually get to add Rabbi. Before it was just Sheikh Shafayat and I. So the question is to you, Rabbi Durbin. Are you nervous? Are you ready? Are you excited? Or are you just like worried? No, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm actually super excited. Um, it's not often that obviously as, as, as Jews and certainly a rabbi that we get the opportunity to interact and, you know, uh, talk with other uh, collegial members of uh, other respective faiths. Uh, I'm, I'm real excited to be able to uh, engage um, and, and, and to learn and to listen. Sheikh Shafayad, this is nice. the first time you get to meet Rabbi Durbin. Yes, and I am very, very, very much interested. I know Friday is my Sabbath day, and I got a busy day, but you know what? I'm not saying that this is more important than my Sabbath day, but this is very important, and I have no problem in starting my Friday with this. So whenever you want me on the show, just let me know a little bit earlier. Even if I'm out of town, we'll get on Zoom. We'll get on Zoom. And um, I would love, I love this, a sheikh, a rabbi, and uh, I mean, a, a priest, a rabbi, and an imam. Let me use the word imam rather than sheikh. I think people will benefit. And, and as you said a little while, it will be open hearts. I will be here, open minds, open hearts. And I think we can learn a lot from each other. And we can share a lot to the world. And we will make this world a happier world to live. All right, so let's get ready for another episode of A Priest and a Rabbi and an Imam. God bless you all, and we're glad you're here. Let's go. A priest, a rabbi, a priest, a rabbi. Opinions you hear from on this show do not represent WSTU, since they probably regretted over allowing the show on the air in the first place. Nor do they represent Temple Beit Hayam or St. Mary's Episcopal Church, since they also wonder what the heck they did when they called these two men to lead their respective congregations. On that note, sit back, relax, grab your Bible or Torah, and enjoy another episode of A Priest and a rabbi all right all right all right all right everybody welcome back to a priest and a rabbi this is father christian from saint mary's church in stewart florida next to me are two esteemed colleagues one of them is a co-host of the show you know him he's your favorite rabbi in the world um he is rabbi matthew durbin from temple Beth Hayam. and then today we have returning to the show our personal Sheikh and Imam 
We have Sheikh Shafayat, who was on the show two episodes ago, and you all were uh, sent in many messages saying how much you really enjoyed the show, appreciated the show, enjoyed having Sheikh Shafayat on here. And so now for the second time, Actually, for the first time on the show, we actually have all three Abrahamic religions present. So today we are a priest, a rabbi, and an imam, or to be more specific, a, a sheikh. Um, so let me just jump right into this. Since there's three of us today, um, I, I, I want to just uh, give you a little background on Sheikh Shafayat, because we're going to get into what, what binds us together as, a, as, as Jews, as Christians, and Muslims. Um, and, and the importance of us discussing these similarities to help tear down a lot of walls and to find more harmony and more the true call of what God is calling us all as his children. And, uh, and then we're going to go in deeper into some testimony and hear from Sheikh Shafayat about the work that he's done around the world um, and explore our own bloodline, how biologically we're all, we're all connected here through Abraham. So if you missed the episode, uh, Sheikh Shafayat is, was born in, the, in Trinidad, um, where he attended college. Uh, he grew up as a Christian. Um, so you can see that this interfaith work is just in his bones. Um, he is the founder of um, Al-Hikmat Services. Um, and principal of the Darul Ulum Institute in Pembroke Pines, Florida. He was the first Muslim to represent Islam at a Florida State Faith Summit, and he held at the Capitol building with Governor Jeb Bush in year 2000. He received numerous awards, including the Peacemaker Award from St. Thomas University. He's a member of the PBS TV Community Advisory Board and the co-chair of the Interfaith Council of Pembroke Pines, the city of Florida. Um, he is known by Muslims and non-Muslims all around as a, as a motivational speaker. Um, that is how we found him. Um, we call the gentleman who is on, um, uh, who is on, has all over Telemundo, Reverend Coutier, and he said, Sheikh Shafayat is the guy you need to have. So Sheikh Shafayat, welcome back to A Priest and Rabbi. It's great to have you here this morning. Thank you very much, uh, Father Christian. And uh, thank you very much, uh, Rabbi Durbin, for having me with, uh, on this show with you all. I feel very blessed. I feel very blessed. I mean, honored. It does not give justice, but I feel blessed to be with you all and to be back on the show again for a second time. Thank you very much. And I hope that um, we will have a good time. With, uh, that's the whole purpose of being together here. It's a good idea. We'll have a good time. And I think that our viewers and listeners can benefit a lot from us coming together. This has been long, long needed in the United States of America. Just a, just a quick question. Um, your, your, your formalized title of a sheikh, how, how does one become one? Is it, is it in terms of a hierarchy that you must become first trained and then be an imam and then go higher towards being a sheikh? How, how does that work? So basically, um, you go to an Islamic university, study Islam, jurisprudence, you know, like how um, the, the Quran, the commentary, the whole nine years of studying Islam. And um, when you study Islam, you automatically become an imam because you learn the, 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 the you get the information whatever the requirements to be an imam. But because of the many years, the seven, eight years of studies, of studying Islam in an Islamic university, that speaks for itself. You know, seven, eight years, um, it, people honor you with the title Sheikh. Sheikh, because it's a, a, a title most scholars in the world 
uh, being called Sheikh, which is, which is really like an elder, a community leader, a mm -hmm. teacher, you know, more or less like father and rabbi in the Christian and, 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 and Judaism faith. It's that kind of level. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. So with that now, so is it, is it and uh, this is for all of our listeners who may, didn't catch the first episode, which I would say, please go, go on to uh, whatever, wherever you listen to your podcast and check out the first episode we did with Shake uh, because you, it was at that, at that episode, it was just you and me, buddy. It was just yes. Shake and uh, me just being the, um, it was like kind of a Muslim for dummies, me being the dummy and you telling me, <laughs> telling me more about it. Um, but so it is appropriate, though, for us to call you, we can call you an imam as well? Yes, yes, yes. You're automatically an imam. That's, that's part of the package automatically. This is great. So you have done this all over, um, all over the world doing interfaith work. Um, and now you, you are grounded in, you're in the Miami area, um, around there. Um, and you were telling us before we started the show and that you have become a go-to person. So when stuff hits the fan, like 9-11, um, there are people who will call you to help with um, work that's needed because we'll see a rise in Islamophobia or um, hate crimes. Um, you know, how long did it take for you to kind of develop that uh, presence where people can count on you to be the guy to help with this kind of work? Well, um, you know, I, I need to share a little bit of negativity here, which is not good, but sometimes, you know, to get current, you need negative and positive wires together. <laughs> Electricity. Anyhow, so before 9-11, 10 years before that, you know, I used to be very involved, very involved in interfaith because, as, as you said before, I came from a very interfaith family background in the Caribbean, all right? Um, and when I newly came here to America 30 years ago, I mean, you had Christians and Jews who were thinking, that I'm fake. <laughs> this guy has something up his sleeves. He's not real. And uh, he's just playing some kind of game. I'm telling you, people's like, why are you getting involved in all this interfaith? You have something, you know, I had people, some negative minded people. I mean, honestly, it's so important for, for, for your listeners and uh, on this show to hear that people were saying unmask the imam. If you go somewhere online, you had some of these, what we will call extremists, and, 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 and um, I will call them very easy words, ignorant people. They were like, unmask the imam. He's not real. He's only pretending to be in this interfaith and all these things because he has a lot of other agenda. On the other hand, right? So you had that kind of negativity going. On the other hand, you had some Muslims, you know, I'm talking about 10 years before 9-11, who were like, Sheikh, be very careful. These Jews and Christians will kill you. <laughs> they, are, they are just having you involved with them, but down the line, they're going to kill you. When I became the president of the Interfaith Council, a man told me that personally. I didn't hear it. He said, are you sure that you are safe? And after 9-11, they, they voted for you to be the president? this is crazy that is some scheme that they want to get rid of you so i went through that you know and i'm talking about you know 20 years 9 11 30 years ago doing interfaith and thank god you know i am still here thank god thank god i'm still here <laughs> and, and we are here but those were the kind of negative things it couldn't be worse than that i had some muslims used to call me 
from a very derogative point of view, they will say, how is the Rabbi Shafayat? How is the Reverend Shafayat doing? They were trying to be sarcastic that I were more Christian and Jewish than I were Muslim. So I got it on both sides. But you know what? Because I did not get involved in interfaith, as I mentioned to you, Father Christian, in the last show, because it was theological or because of 9-11, I come from a very interfaith family. I got my own, my, my, my father, brother, brother is a Hindu, Hindu. You know, I have my mother, cousins who are top bishops and pastors. You know, I come very, and I, as I said, Rabbi um, Durbin, I have relatives in America who are married to Jews. So, you know, I come from, I live this. So I did not get involved in interfaith because of 9-11 or to clarify doubts or misconception. It's in my blood, you know. So when 9-11 came, you know, I mean, my, the, my interfaith friends, they were like, come boy, let's talk about this thing. Let, let us educate the world who do not understand Islam and Muslims and the bond of interfaith and why we should all live together and learn to understand our commonalities and learn to educate ourselves on the differences of opinion on matters. You know, so it, it, it was really, really phenomenal. And I learned a lot. I really learned. And I, I always say that I, I, I'm not in interfaith to teach anybody anything. I learn. I really learn. And, and sometimes when you hear all this kind of Islamophobia things going on, or I mean, um, you know, whatever they be, comments and statements against Christians, Jews, you know, I, I get stronger because I'm like, you know what? One of the reasons for that is education, lack of education. And if we can educate people more, it will make us a better people. And I don't feel weak to say, oh, this is bad and this is not good. I hear other people like, wow, they want to go back in their, in their closed doors and hide away from the world. I'm saying, no, that's not the solution. That's not the solution because I've been there, done that. Mm. It couldn't be worse than 9-11. You know what I mean? It couldn't be worse. It was really, really a bad time. And we had so much love and communication amongst ourselves. Yeah. Mm. Uh, just a quick just a quick question. And, and, and I'm sure it probably was discussed um, two weeks ago when we were on the program. What brought you to Islam? <laughs> I like that. I like that. So, um, <laughs> the, it's different when the rabbi asks you than when the priest asks you. Know? Yes, yes, it has a whole different. It's like a, you know, when Mo, when Mo, when Moses asked a question, it's so different. You know what I mean? Even Pharaoh trembled. <laughs> yeah, I'm just the wacko Christian who came late to the game. Oh my goodness! Well, you know, uh, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this two weeks ago, but um, yes, the British brought you know people from India. Um, almost 200 years ago, give and take a five, 10 years here and there. Um, and, you know, Muslims, Christians, Hindus, everybody came across from India to the Caribbean and other parts of the world. So my parents, my parents were Muslims. My parents were Muslims. But um, in the line of my grandparents, you had some mix there. And um, I grew, grew up because it was my great-grandfather that came from India. So I grew up going to Christian school in, in Trinidad, to be specific, in the Caribbean. Um, and not only just a regular government Christian school, 
but um, a very private Christian school, a Roman Catholic school run by a British woman directly. So I was well British trained. Till today, I have that combination of British American people like where even when I speak, they're like, well, it sounds British accent, then it sounds American, then it sounds Trini because that's the combination. That's the combination with the language. So when I went to this private British Christian school, um, I got a scholarship to become a minister or a pastor, right? But I got more Christianized there. That's where I learned all my carols and my hymns and started going to church and the whole Nayads, and I became very Christian. I started practicing it. I learned it, and then I got the scholarship. But within that period of time, when the decision had to be made to go to this Christian missionary school, um, there were some missionaries that came visiting Trinidad. They were from South Africa, and they knew my name was Muhammad. So they came at our doors, and you know, as, as Christian missionaries would do, <laughs> Muslim missionaries, well, I know in Judaism, you don't have this kind of thing where you go around knocking people down who carry a Jewish name and doesn't practice Judaism. Um, but in Christianity and Islam, you know, Father, we got that. It's like, whoa, you're Christian and you're off the path. You're not going to be saved. You know what's going to happen to you? You have gone off. So I had these missionaries come by and they were like, you're Muhammad and you're going to church and you're in a Christian school. What is going on? So it's got a long story short. Um, you know, I end up getting a scholarship from them to go to India. And it's all by the mercy of God. I always say that we, you know, we don't know, we make plans, they make plans, but the plans of God is better. So I ended up getting a scholarship from them. And I ended up, that's how I ended up in the largest Islamic uh, university in India, in India, because there was no Bangladesh and Pakistan many, many years ago. So this is the oldest and largest and, uh, you know, that's how the whole story ended up from not becoming a, a, a pastor or a, a bishop or something. I am now today in this part of the world. Yeah. But, you know, Sheikh, it, it definitely it comes clear even more. So this this time out is that this is a divine call that's been placed on you. You have been prepared for this for this moment you have been prepared your whole life to be a uh, ambassador for interfaith work to be a bridge builder to be a healer and so someone like you is um a you you are a diamond right now for us all to to hold on to because uh, there's something you said earlier that i think is what makes you so effective you said i am a listener i come to learn so you go into your interfaith conversations not trying to convince or to convert people, which is often what we want to do when we go into conversations. You know, we, 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 we have our ideas, whatever it may be, whether we're talking about sports, religion, politics, um, how to yeah. buy the right avocado at the grocery store, right? Um, we, we want to convey our truth. Um, you said, I like to go and learn. And the more I, I study people who are good peacemakers, who are good bridge builders, uh, they have this, uh, their, their, their call is to, to learn and to listen and to have empathy. And they're the ones who break down walls. And so I, I thank you um, for, for being an ambassador of that and standing into that, because that, that, is, a, that is a truly divine call, because it's not easy sometimes, especially when you start getting criticism from either your own people or from 
other other folks who don't know you as well. So um, how do you keep yourself fresh and open? Because I'm sure you, as you said before, there is criticism. There is, you know, uh, minor persecution. So how do you wake up and just say, no, this is, I'm going to, I'm going to choose compassion. I'm going to choose love. I'm going to choose forgiveness. I'm going to, I really care about people. How do you keep that fresh? Well, well, you know, uh, you made a, you made a wonderful point here. Just a couple uh, weeks ago, and I, I, I would not mention place and time because, you know, this is public, public broadcast and it could be someone listening who was there. Um, you know, I, we, I went to a program myself, a rabbi and a priest, with three of us were there. Somebody in the audience got up and said, hey, guys, I need to tell you all that um, it was about religion and science. All right. Someone got up and said, my husband is a scientist. He teaches science. And every day they keep on coming up with new laws and writing new books and getting things up to date with what's happening in the real world. So you guys need to get rid of your Quran, your Torah, and your Bible. Rewrite those scriptures. They are no more. They are no more effective. They don't mean anything. It's outdated. It has passed its time. And you know, and I'm like, wow. So you know, when you mention learn, uh, you know, a, a, a real hardcore Orthodox rabbi and Christian and Muslim would have left that audience because you are ridiculing, ridiculing God and the scriptures. You, you see what I'm saying, Rabbi Durban? But I'm there to learn. I want to know what they have to say. What are the things? What are their points? And that's how I learn. And that's how we come to know what is needed out there. What is it? It was really hard for people to condemn your God and say that he has failed and he... He was just applicable in those days, you know, but this is where the learning comes in. I got to just, you know what we say, bite my tongue, sit down and digest it, digest it. <laughs> but, you know, it was not just me alone. It was not just me alone. They were attacking all the fates. Mm -hmm. So this, but this is again, why a show like what you have here is so important. People need to hear this side of the coin. Now, when you see God has been taken out from, you know, all over the place, nobody wants to hear about God. Nobody wants to hear about scriptures. We really need this. We really need this. And, um, and, and, and as, as you said, this is how I kind of go through with it. I listen to what people have to say. I go into the scriptures and I try to find the answers for my own understanding and to be able to help others as we go along. You know, I think, I think it's interesting. Um, you know, my former congregation um, uh, somewhere in the Northeast, uh, and as you said, look, we're on our live broadcast. But, you know, I, I remember years ago, somebody in my former congregation had mentioned and said, but Rabbi, the God of Israel, the God of Israel is not the same as the God of Islam or the God of Christianity. And I remember being very, very, very um, shocked by that and saying, what are you talking about? Of course it is. The God of Israel is the God of Islam, is the God of Christianity. You know, even if we take, you know, the, the terminology, right? We, we you know, for, from an Islamic faith, Allah. Well, Allah in Hebrew, Allah, he who is ascended, one who is on high, referring to God. You know, I, I know from an Islamic perspective, as well as, a, a, you know, Judaic perspective, our languages are very similar from Arabic to Hebrew. I mean, although, yes, they are very different languages and written in a very different style, 
there is some unification, right? Um, the term son, bin, we use ben. I mean, it is so, you know, cognate languages that are so similar. Um, and I, I, just, I just remember being very struck where that misinformation, and I think a large part of the challenges in our world today are misinformation. We're hearing things and accepting them as truth without going to the source itself and finding some degree of, of, of knowledge for ourselves. Yes, you are so right. Um, you know, Rabbi Durbin, I, I went to an interfaith, I, I, I went to an interfaith conference in Jerusalem, right? Myself, rabbis and priests. And I remember talking to a very orthodox Christian and he was like, we use the word Allah in our Arabic because they preach in Arabic. They preach in Arabic in certain areas there in Jerusalem. They speak Arabic and they preach Christianity and the Bible in Arabic and they use the word Allah. So, you know, Americans really need to understand this. They're so far from, from reality that could you imagine a Christian is using the word Allah in the Arabic language for God. And as you rightly said, the definition of, um, of Allah in the Judaism um, faith is, you know, is Allah means Al, La means none like him. It is nothing equivalent, the none like him, you know. So you, you made a good point there, Rabbi, that people don't even think it's the same God. They are so far away from understanding, far less to come into the scriptures than coming to Moses and, 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 and all the prophets and the messengers and then coming to the laws of the religion. People are so far from understanding who is God. So we got a lot of work to do here, Father Christian. This, we got a lot of work. We need to start really getting people to know more about this thing. Yeah, you know, what, 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 the moment that really made it clear to me is I used to go to a Lebanese church out in Los Angeles. Uh, and and the, it, was, it was all in Arabic. And it was a Maronite Catholic church. And it was Our Lady of Lebanon. And being part of the liturgy, which I'm familiar with the liturgy, and that's the beauty of being part of a historic church, is that any church you go to, whether it's Catholic or Anglican, I pretty much kind of know what's going on, um, even if it's in a second language. But they kept on referring to Allah. And at that time, you know, that was post 9-11, so uh, or, <laughs> still raw. So Allah in our heads as Americans was that's the Muslim God. And so it's just like, oh, this is just all cultural of how we perceive things and how we want to just divide and conquer. That that's that's not true. Because if I go into a Christian church in Arabic, they are saying Allah in the prayers. And so this idea that Allah is the Muslim God is silly. It's just semantics. It's language that we've used to divide as opposed to unite. And we could use the word Allah to unite us. But instead, it's like, no, 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 that's, that's a different God, like there's different gods going around. So that that was, but I needed that to kind of switch over and be like, oh, God, these are just words that we're using to, to divide when really, if you go to the source, and you go to an Arabic Bible, uh, they're, they're, they're saying Allah, and it, it, it's, it's beyond what we know as religion. So, um, all right, my friends, we're going to take a quick breather. So uh, to honor our sponsors who flew in uh, Sheikh Shafayat. So we had to fly him in all the way from Pembroke Prines on Zoom Airlines. It's very expensive. So let's hear <laughs> from our sponsors right now. And then we'll be right back with part two of a priest, a rabbi, and an imam. 
Hey everyone, it's Evan Nine, producer of A Priest and a Rabbi. Thank you for tuning in and being part of this community. We love developing new partnerships with this podcast to help further the interfaith movement. To join us, please email Father Christian at yourfavoritechristian at gmail.com. You can have an advertisement right here on this podcast, which is currently heard across the USA and in 34 other countries. Thanks for being here, and do not forget to subscribe on whichever podcast platform you're listening from. Now back to A Priest and a Rabbi. Welcome back to the award-winning Priest and a Rabbi radio show with Father Christian and Rabbi Durbin. Let's get ready for the second half of the show. Okay, everybody, welcome back to part two of a Rabbi and today. Um, and we hope to have more of that where we can have all three of us together because we really do enjoy doing this. So we have uh, uh, Rabbi Durbin, of course, and Father Christian, that's me, and then Sheikh Shafayat, um, who is from Al-Hikmat Services. Uh, he is a preacher, a teacher, an interfaith leader, um, and to many of us, um, what's most recognizable uh, term is imam. Uh, but to us, uh, he, he is also our brother. Um, so uh, Sheikh Shafayat, we have um, also an online community right now that's watching live um, on Facebook, um, and so that's why we all have to go to hair and makeup before we show up because we're on camera right now. Uh, oh. And uh, so Sheikh Shafayat Monica Cantor is, is, is on. She's uh, a, one of our de- devoted streamers. Um, and she, she does say, you know, maybe this, this should be a new show called A Priest, A Rabbi, and A Sheikh. <laughs> so I think she's she's a fan wow. of that. I know this is your holy day and also the rabbi's holy day, but uh, you know we so we could talk about that um, in, in in the future. Um, but then she likes to know what are the holy what are the most holy days or the big holy days in Islam. So where is where is Monica from? <laughs> I think Rabbi Durbin probably knows that better than I do. You know why I, I, I we think alike when we went on the short break. That is exactly what was passing through my mind based on what Rabbi Durban is saying. I'm telling you, you know, I, I, Facebook is, is worldwide. Uh, podcast is worldwide. This radio show is worldwide. We can make this a more uh, worldwide thing. Everyone over the world tune in at a certain time, whatever. And exactly what Monica is saying, I think it might create a big impact. You know, it has so, so much needs. We can talk on many different issues. It does not only have to be directly from the scriptures. We can talk about issues around us. Issues, uh, uh, you know, affecting a sheikh, a rabbi, and an imam, and community, etc. And we can get a lot going. So think about it, Monica. You know, Monica, why I asked where is she from? I was thinking the same thing. And then you came on with Monica saying, a priest, a rabbi, and an imam, I think that will attract. Well, forget about the attraction. We, we're past the state. We're not, we're not in the, the, the Jennifer Lopez business to look to attract people. We are here to educate people, all right? <laughs> You're going to go Jennifer so, Lopez. I was going to go Britney Spears, you know, but, you know. Rabbi, rabbi who are you going to go with? <laughs> <laughs> given, given today's news, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Father Anderson here on the, on the Britney Spears 
Ah, I like that. I like the country like freed Britney, but uh, she she really took that freedom to a new level. So, um, all right. So, Sheikh, so tell us, um, school us here a bit, because as priests and rabbis, the audience here has heard an awful lot about our high holy days. Um, teach us a little bit about what are your high holy days? Um, basically, we got two main feasts, huh? which is considered as the two top holy days. And I mean, from an English point of view, when we say holy days, there are many holy days which lead to holidays, all right? So I'm not really getting to the real holy day that is a holiday, but basically the very significant celebration in Islam, which is a holy day, I, I, based on what you're saying. Um, so we got the two Eids. One is called Eid al-Frit, which is the festival after the end of fasting for the 30 days or 29 days in Ramadan. After that, you got a grand. The next day, it's all about a feast. And that's very much um, Islamic, authentic. Everybody, everybody. Then you have another feast that is an Abrahamic feast, which brings us direct to the bond of a prophet Abraham, where the whole story about Abraham peace be upon him, being called upon to sacrifice his son Isaac in the Bible and the Torah, the Psalms. We, um, and this is where we have differences of opinion, but the message is the same thing. We, in the Islamic perspective, is that he was called upon to sacrifice his son Ishmael. You see what I'm saying? But it was the whole lesson of testing him and how he would deal with sacrificing what he loves so near and dear to him, right? And then, as the Bible and the Torah and the Quran tells us, so now we pass the stage, whether it's Isaac or Ishmael, and then the angel came with the, the sheep. Until today, our, our, our Judaism brothers and sisters, they use that horn. And one rabbi taught me, Rabbi Durbin, correct me if I'm wrong, that that symbol of the horn of that sheep is what they blow, what you call the shofar. Mm -hmm. Shofar? Shofar. Shofar. So it has that symbol. Till today, Jews use that symbol of that horn from that sheep. I mean, the whole symbol and lesson that the angel brought for Abraham to sacrifice instead of sacrificing his son Isaac, because it was not about sacrificing his son Isaac. It was checking his faith to see if he was prepared to sacrifice. I mean, what is materialistic in the world as opposed to pleasing God. So that sheep that was brought for him from the biblical point of view, it's the same thing in the Quran. So we have a big feast of the sheep when it's a mm. celebration called Eid al-Adha, the, you know, the celebration of the sacrifice of Abraham. And that's a two major one. Other than that, um, you have other days that people you know, fast, like how you have Yom Kippur, Yom Kippur, the 10th day of the first, Rosh Hashanah is the name of the month, right? Uh, no, the name of the month is Tishrei. Tishrei, and the first day in the month is Rosh Hashanah. Yep. Right. So like how you have Rosh Hashanah, first day of Mohar, of, 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 of that um, <laughs> first month of the Jewish calendar, and then you have the 10th day of that month is is Yom Kippur. Similarly, we got the 10th day of our first month of the Islamic calendar mm. called, called Ashura. Ashura. 
where it's a day of fasting. And that fasting is very much the day of fasting connected to Moses. Peace be upon him. Interesting. It was a fast all about Moses. You know, time does not permit us to get into it here, Father Christian. Why, when? But it's all about Moses. Peace be upon him and crossing the Red Sea and going back to the Holy Land. And so it's a very, very um, interesting day that Muslims observe all over the world. But basically, we have those two major um, feasts. That's what we're all about. And then uh, that is authentic with everybody. And then you have our Fridays are considered very holy, like Sunday, the Shabbat day for Christians and, fr and Saturday for Jews and Friday for Muslims. So this is a weekly thing that we have. The Eid is a yearly thing. You know, other than that, you may have other little things here and there, but those are the major things. So, so just, just um, I, I know somebody had raised a question a, a little while ago. Right, you raise the issue and the and the and the and the biblical narrative of you know Abraham and Isaac and the binding of Isaac and going up uh, Mount Moriah, right? Um, in Islamic tradition, is Isaac replaced in some way by by Ishmael? Is Ishmael the offering? I had heard somebody had raised a question in terms of that that Abraham brought Ishmael up to the mountain. Yes, so we do not believe that Isaac was replaced by Ishmael. No, no, not at all. But mm -hmm. it's, all about, it's all about the history of the operation, the whole system, that we believe, we believe, um, and this is where we have, a, there's a differences of opinion in the theology with Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And this is what the world needs to be educated with. Where is the theological differences? Um, so we believe, as Abraham had that son with Hagar, because Sarah was not having children at that time. So Ishmael was the first son of Abraham. Then after he was born, for, after he was born, then 13 years after, Sarah had her first boy child, which was Isaac. So in the Judaism, very interesting theology, and, and that's, why, that's why I said, Father Christian, I go to interfaith programs to learn, to learn. So from the Jewish point of view, and Rabbi, you correct me here, it's the firstborn child of, of, of Sarah that the sacrifice is all about. So who was Sarah's firstborn child? Isaac. And in the Islamic perspective, it's the firstborn child of Abraham. And mm. who was his firstborn child? Ishmael. So there's no reason to fight over the issue. And mm. then you have some Jews and Christians fighting, oh, was it Isaac, was it Ishmael? We said, listen, it was the firstborn child of Sarah. Because in Judaism, the mother carries that, that the, the lineage continues from the mother. In Islam, the lineage continues from the father. Mm -hmm. So the firstborn child of Abraham was Ishmael. And then, um, and that is why the call for that sacrifice was for Ishmael from the Islamic point of view. And from the Jewish Christian point of view, it was Sarah, Sarah's mm -hmm. son, Isaac. Very simple. So it's not even about replacing him. It was not. It was not like it happened when both of them were there, and then we had a confusion. Which one? And 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 we understand that as a little biological, uh, theological difference with Hagar being from the Islamic point of view, uh, his wife, his wife, and then from the biblical point of view, well, it is was his little outside girlfriend that he had the son with. I mean, let's talk in in, in language for people to understand. But the Bible and the Torah 
recognize the existence of Ishmael and recognize the, the, the whole concept. It's just a matter of was Ishmael, uh, was Hagar his legal wife or was Sarah his legal wife? Islam, we say it was. And, you know, Father, we can get in some interesting conversation that will boom the listeners eh, when we get into the more wives topic. Because Abraham started this thing, you know, with Sarah and Hagar and these wives. And then Jacob also continued it. And all his sons continued his wives issue. Because, you know, nowadays, all we talk about is Muslims are allowed to have four wives. But we don't say that Jews and Christians, they have no limit. They can have any amount of wives from the scripture point of view. It's the law that prohibited it. But the scripture does not limit. This is interesting, huh? The scripture does not limit, but in Islam, you're limited. <laughs> so you know, this, it's, is, this it's, is fun. Well, I would know, push back on that. I, I would say, actually, in Christianity, no, that Jesus did say it was uh, between a man and a woman. He doesn't say multiple men or multiple women. So I would say that once we get into the Christian scripture, Jesus does delineate that you want to keep it. So I like that. Man, I, would say I love that. Too. But, you know, it's, 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 that. You know, even looking at, at, at King Solomon from a Jewish perspective, right? King of Solomon, course. we know, had... Just, oh, just about a thousand wives. And certainly 2000 years ago, when we were talking in terms of the Talmud, you know, the Talmud also made it very clear, you could have as many wives as you want. However, you have to provide equally for each wife. And if you are not providing equally for each wife, then, then you know, there, there, there are many challenges that, that, that persist with it. Um, you know, it's interesting, and, and I think our listeners should, should, should be aware, you know, Abraham, Abraham had uh, a lot more than just two sons. Um, he had eight. Uh, Abraham had eight children. Um, obviously, the famous ones, uh, Ishmael and Isaac. And of course, the question is, Abraham also had seemingly, at least textually, three wives, right? Sarah, the one that he loved, uh, Hagar, which is actually interesting when you look at it from uh, a language perspective, because Hagar in Hebrew means the stranger. And then, yeah. right? And then we know that after Sarah dies at 127, he takes a third wife or another wife called Keturah, which yeah. in some circles is going back to Hagar, that he goes back to Hagar, finds her, and takes her back as a wife. But just really interesting, um, you know, the etymology of words of Hagar, the stranger, um, just really powerful. We got a lot of topics to talk on, Father Christian, that can bring some Interesting. So Monica is back. If, <laughs> Monica wants to know if Ishmael also had children. Oh, yeah. Ishmael also had children. But, you know, like Judaism and Christianity, um, Islam takes a lot of its, um, its, its, its history from Judaism and Christianity. And a lot of our commentary uh, that our Islamic scholars get into it's a lot from Judaism and Christianity. That's why some writers will tell you that Islam is a combination of Judaism and Christianity, which it is. It is. The prophet now, is that, 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 that thought you just said, that's a, that's a bold concept that we don't hear a lot. So how, how well does that concept go over generally in the Muslim community to say something like that? Well, whether they agree or not, this is what it is mentioned. In the Quran, God tells us, about the Quran, when he, when the Quran was being revealed to the people, and the Prophet peace be upon him was reciting and re reading the Quran to people, it is mentioned many places in the Quran about believing in the words of the Quran as you were supposed to believe in the words of the Torah and the Psalms and the the the, the Zabur. 
So the Quran tells you that these were the words of God and that you were supposed to believe in that. And now you have this new revelation that you need to continue believing in. In the Prophet, peace be upon him, sayings and hadith, which is quotations of the, the Prophet, peace be upon him, he said that my way is between Isa and Musa. It's in Arabic, we say Musa for Moses and Isa for Jesus, peace be upon them. He says, my teachings is that middle path between the teachings of Moses and the teachings of Jesus, peace be upon him. That's why, you know, this Islam, you know, I, we all know Moses, who is a prophet of Islam, Judaism, Christianity, the whole biblical thing, was a little very harsh in his decisions and his, his methodology. And Jesus was very, very, very soft. Slapped me on one side, I give him my next side to slap. You know what I mean? But Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, says, and I'm the middle path between both of them. Yeah, times you'll find me like Moses and times you'll find me like Jesus in my actions. And then he also said, and this is in the books, it's not Sheikh Shafiat's opinion. Before the Quran was revealed, it is mentioned that the Prophet, peace be upon him, used to make decisions for the people when they came to him. Before he received the revelation of the Quran, he used to make decisions based on the teachings of Moses and the teachings of Jesus because they were messengers from God. You see the bond we have? We all live by it. But unfortunately, people don't understand that. So uh, coming back to Monica's question, um, uh, the Judaism and Christianity have a lot of history that the, the scholarly level used to go a lot in the genealogy and the lineage of the family and the whole background, as, as Rabbi just mentioned, Keturah was one of the wives of Abraham. Um, so when we research, a lot of times we go back into Christianity and Judaism who have already done the research. And the, the Quran has left out a lot of things that were mentioned in the Bible and Torah and just mentioned what was just important. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? So what we do, we go back into the Bible and Torah to find the other things. So the Quran came and just mentioned what was, what was a combination of the past in a very brief not shell point of view. So we go back. So a lot of the children history and the details will be opinions of scholars who have researched the different areas. You, you see what I'm saying? Mm. You know, yes. it's, uh, it's, it's, it's interesting to note as well, because I think it, it's important, is that when Abraham dies, and I think this is very significant as well, when Abraham dies, remember that, that when, when Ishmael and Hagar are sent out in the wilderness, Right. I, I believe, you know, Ishmael was 14 years old. Right. Um, you know, they're cast into this wilderness. Of course, the blistering heat and Hagar turns her back on Ishmael and God provides water and food and says, I will make you a mighty nation. And of course, Isaac and Ishmael never speak again until their father's death. And they both come together. Isaac and Ishmael come together at their father's grave, which is very significant. I mean, right. Abraham dies, Isaac could have been there, Ishmael could have been somewhere else. But the fact that they both came, and of course there is a beautiful statement and a wonderful midrash that says that when Abraham dies, right, they both bewail and scream and, and, and cry and say, today the world, not our people or, right, the Israelites, they say, today our world has lost our leader. That the both of them come together to pay homage and respect to their father, which is quite, I mean, I, I look to that story as one of strength and one of, of, of similarity, 
that that those are our similarities is is our father Abraham and the fact that both siblings could come back in whatever challenges and 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 whatever whatever visceral disagreements they may have had and family challenges but they come back together to pay respect to their father uh, that's that's a fantastic point there Rabbi because the the wives differences were one thing so that should tell our people of today Christian Jews and Muslims and the world Forget about the wise differences here now. The two sons came back of the two wives and they made that bond back together. So why should we, the followers, allow this disunity and this uh, misunderstanding and these walls amongst us when it's from the, the Jewish point of view, the biblical point of view, that, that teaches that they both came back, they came back and they had a strong bond. So we need to understand that. And, you know, in the Bible, Many places, and what I remember in, in, in reading, you know, Jesus mentioned Prophet Abraham as the, 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 how he was blessed. As he was blessed and he was most blessed, Jesus always highly spoke of Abraham being blessed and how he was blessed. You know, the, the Torah speaks of Abraham as the father of nations. So, so this is a strong bond biologically. This is not nobody's theology. This is no... Jewish, Christian, Muslim theology, this is our belief together. And I think if we have to educate the world, starting from Prophet Abraham and his family, all the way down to Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all the sons, this is a fantastic way to educate the world. Educate the world. They need to understand that. Yeah, it's, it's a good leg to stand on, the biology leg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the way I look at it is that we're, we're three brothers in a family right now. You know, we stand for three Abrahamic faiths, Christianity, Judaism, and Islam. And we have parts of our family that would like to say, this is the only real true way. Um, and we could debate about that on another, another podcast. Um, however, in the meantime, the three of us are part of the same family. We're of all course. connected by blood. And so it's just like many other TV shows or movies you watch about brothers and sisters just not being able to get along well in a family. I mean, God put us all here and, and God says, you all need to figure this out because you need to walk this way of compassion and empathy and understanding family systems. And so we have a family system. And so the, the temptation is I can go into this as a Christian and take some of my scripture really, really literally and say, my job here is to convert uh, Rabbi Durbin and Sheikh Shafayat uh, to Christianity, meaning for them to follow Jesus Christ. So then now I lose my friendship with you because I'm not really trying to make a friend out of you. I'm not really trying to make a brother out of you. What I'm trying to do is sell you. I'm trying to convert you. Um, and, and instead of so I'm going to lose all this incredible amount of, of uh, let's say, understanding of, of humanity and God by learning from you. So I don't know, I think all three of us are, we will continue this journey of being committed to the interfaith work. And I think we do have to talk about evangelism because I know, especially from a Christian perspective, that's a big piece of it. And that's a tough topic. So let's, I look forward in the future of us talking about how, how do you balance that where, you know, there's parts of Islam that says, you know, the, the rest have got it lost. And I, we can talk about Judaism. How do we balance that? The three of us though are sold on interfaith. We know that that's not just a cute Hallmark card thing to wave up and say, we're all getting together. We believe that it makes our religion stronger and we get to know the heart of God more and our true hearts more. Um, and we grow more deeper into humility and compassion and love. Um, and if, if you lose that, you lose God. So if we're losing love. Oh. 
Just, just, um, uh, just a quick question. Uh, I, I actually just had a friend of mine text me. Is it does Islam follow a lunar calendar? Yes. And Judaism yeah. follows a lunar calendar. So Islam follows a lunar calendar. Exactly like Judaism. <laughs> We're on so the same does page. that mean that that from an Islamic perspective, your holy day being Friday, are there services that are conducted Thursday nights? Yes. Okay. Just like Judaism, your Shabbat is no, your Shabbat begins on Friday night, mm -hmm. and Saturday is your Sabbath day. We begin from Thursday night. We are uh, the same. We uh, that's what I'm saying. We all we came from the same principle wait, on. So wait, concept. No, but it sounds like you guys go first, and then Jews go second, and then we're third, right? So you start Thursday night, Rabbi. You start Friday night, <laughs> and then Christians. I mean, technically, you could say we start. We really are on Sunday because we just throw away the lunar candle. But um, <laughs> just moved everything over to when Jesus was resurrected. But. Um, but yeah, so because guys, I remember talking to people but, in, in, in the Holy Land who have all three faiths represented at their job, and they're saying it's a disaster to do scheduling because if you do have all all three, you got guys who can't do Friday, some can't do Saturday, some can't do Sunday, and so sometimes it's easier just to hire all Muslims or all Jews or all Christians because you know their schedule, their holy days line up more easily. But um, all right, guys, we so, are, are are here at the. Um, near near the end of the show and it's been great so shake um we would love to continue this conversation we'd love to take on some tough topics um and that does not include britney spears um and we want to talk about just getting more deeper i think into evangelism and how our i think that'd be a great next topic there's parts of our faith that say we're the one in true faith so how do we balance that and juggle that um as three guys who are really into interfaith work in the meantime tell new listeners where they can find you Yes. Oh, just Google Al Hikmat, Al Hikmat, A L H I K M A T, and you will find us all over YouTube, all over Al Hikmat TV, online, Facebook, wherever. Or my name, Sheikh Shafiat, and you will find that combination. But I know we got a couple of seconds again. But before you go, we just raised an interesting, interesting topic. The Sabbath day, we all have a bond very close to that Friday. And I just want to make a little joke out of this. We say Good Friday because Jesus, from the Muslim point of view, was saved on the Friday. So our Sabbath day is Friday. From the Christian point of view, Jesus was crucified on a Friday, which is salvation for the people. So Friday is a very holy day for Christians and Muslims. <laughs> and it begins the evening. So we could talk all about these Sabbath days of, just from educational point of view. Listen, people need to be educated as, a point, as, as opposed to saying your day and we day. But these are our days and how it came mm. about. A lot to educate the people. That's great. That's not your days, but it's our days. So it's, that's, that's fantastic. So Al Hikmat, again, that's A-L-H-I-K-M-A-T. Yes. So that's where you could go and Google and to learn more about um, where you can find more of Sheikh Shafayat, his writings, his teachings, and learn more about the work that he does. Uh, we'll be back here next Friday, as we always are. You can check out all of our shows on our podcast. Just Google a priest and a rabbi. You'll see all the shows right there and where you find your podcast. But until then, we will see you next Friday right here on a priest and a rabbi and, and, and hopefully soon at an imam. Peace. Oh, do